whether you're in BNI or not, you want to be successful, you have to do six things a thousand times, not a thousand things six times. And there are so many businesses that are constantly chasing these bright, shiny objects. There's so many businesses that are out there chasing these bright, shiny objects. Ooh. And they go and do something new and it doesn't work and they don't understand why they're not successful. You want to be successful in business? You're listening to this? Do six things a thousand times. Not a thousand things. Now, the question is, what six things? First of all, it doesn't have to be six. It could be five. It could be seven. It's a handful of things. What things? Well, you do the things that interviews like this tell you to do. You go to mentors. You go to people who you trust in person or virtual mentors. This program is like a virtual mentor. And so if you trust what Terrence and Nadia are recommending to you, then you listen to the things that they're talking about and you do a handful of these things and you do them over and over and over again rather than bouncing around trying out a whole bunch of different ideas. Welcome to the Unfair Advantage Project. Unique perspectives, practical insights, and unexpected discoveries directly focused on giving you the unfair advantage. Introducing your hosts, Nadia Hughes and Terrence Toe. Welcome to the Unfair Advantage Project. I'm Terence Toe. I'm the Founder, Managing Director of Strategic Corporation, and I'll be one of your hosts today. And we've got Nadia as well. And I'm Nadia Hughes. I'm from Smart Business Solutions, and I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. And today, we're extremely excited because we have a remote connection with someone who has had a great <laughs> impact on both of our lives and is actually a big part of the reason that we've actually started this podcast and created something that's managed to connect Nadia and I together to be able to create this podcast and is the founder of BNI. He is, has been referred to as the father of modern networking, the author of He doesn't want to be books. called grandfather, be careful. Yeah, no, yeah. Not, not the grandfather. Despite all the gray father. hair, not grandfather of modern networking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I guess the list goes on and on and on, but we really appreciate your time today, Ivan Meisner. Uh, Terrence, uh, Nadia, thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate it. And I, I look forward to chatting with you guys. Yeah. Okay, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was really good. Ivan, I'm going to ask, first of all, you do have Russian name, Ivan. How did it happen to you? You know, I asked my dad that because my father was Ivan Richard Meisner Sr. And so I asked him and, and he really didn't know. <laughs> my, you know, my lineage is not Russian. But it was just a name that my grandparents liked, and they named my father Ivan, and I'm Ivan Meisner the second, and my son is Ivan Meisner the third. Oh dear, you do have some problems. <laughs> yeah, um, we have issues, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what first thing I wanted to see whether it's any connect, Russian connections there, because I can talk to your people, you can talk to my people, and it all can happen. But you're not Russian, so it's. I'm not. I'm. I'm so sorry. I have a good friend who's from the Ukraine, uh, Yakov Shmirnov. You know Yakov? He's not a comedian yet. in the United States. Great comedian. He's a good friend. But that's the closest thing I am to Russian. That's okay if I give you for that. And <laughs> what you. I'm going today, I'm going to express my gratitude to you, actually. But initially, what I, the way I started with BNI, first of all, 
please explain to our listeners what BNI stands for. Really? Well, B- yeah, BNI stands for Business Network International. It's a referral marketing organization. We have 8,550 chapters in more than 70 countries around the world. We get together every week and we pass each other referrals. That's what BNI is all about, is helping people increase each other's business through referrals or through word of mouth. And that's exactly what I read online when I was offered by my business partner to go and check out one of the local BNI chapters. We are located in Australia and in Melbourne in particular, and one of the chapters uh, is Frankston Flyers. That's the one which I started to attend. The chapter at the time when I was attending was very small, and when I came in, my first impression, I actually felt uncomfortable. I felt like I entered some kind of cult. They all were screaming, yes, they all were screaming, give us game, and some stupid words, and I'm sitting there. It was lunchtime, eating my lunch, and from time to time, just rising my head and going, what's going on? Is it some kind of cult, church? Where am I? And five minutes ago, all those people were reasonable business people. I had these preliminary chats with them before we started this formal session. And when formal session began, it was a bit surreal. <laughs> I felt misplaced a bit. And then I expressed my skepsis after the session and I said to them, well, I don't think it's quite for me. It looks very, very clicky, very cult-like. And they said, it's very effective. Just give it the goals, drop your skepsis and just work with us. Do whatever we do. We will educate you. They were very supportive and they really wanted me in. Mind you, the chapter was very small and they were desperately needing people. So they were extremely inviting. And I persevered and it started, it took me six months to establish myself and get credibility. It doesn't happen instantaneously. People do not give you referrals, especially in Australia, unless they trust you. And as an accountant, I had to earn this trust by referring first. And that's how I started. Now, my question to you is, how did you come up with this concept? It's a great question. But let me start with the the cult comment, because I love that. That, When people used to say to me that BNI feels like a cult, it would just make me so mad. But I love that question now. Here's my answer to the cult question, or to the cult comment. If BNI were a cult, Everyone would do what I tell them to do, and they don't. I try to get them to do what I tell them, but they don't do it. So it's not a cult. I'll tell you why it feels like a cult to some people. They're, They're confusing culture with cult. Culture is a form of the word cult. And BNI has an amazing culture. And that culture is based on this philosophy of giver's gain. This idea that if I help you, you'll help me and we'll all do better as a result of it. And to most business people, that feels weird. It's like, what? We don't do business like that. You know, when you think of, especially, you know, BNI started in the United States. When you think of an American company, do you think of cooperation, collaboration, giver's gain. No, you think of dog eat dog. I'm going to put that other guy out of business. You know, you're fired. That's what you think of when you think of American business. With BNI, we have a culture of collaboration and giver's gain. And so it's not a cult, it's a culture. And it's a very healthy culture based on helping one another. To answer your question, I started BNI to help other people, and myself as a business consultant, build our business through referrals by building relationships with other 
business professionals. And that's why I started BNI. And what initially deterred me from BNI, now it's the biggest attraction. I did not like the fact that I have to be so accountable and uh, I had KPIs to meet and it's constantly monitored. And we have quite strict people who is looking after this aspect. But now I just think that's what makes, this is what the secret of success. It's actually ability to stand up and report on your successful initiative you have taken during the week and during the month and right. it makes you feel great. So, so one of the strengths of a network is that most of the members are friends. One of the weaknesses of a network is that most of the members are friends and friends don't like to hold friends accountable. So the problem is that if you don't have some level of accountability, it becomes a social group. And BNI is not a social group. I mean, social groups are fine, but that's not what BNI is. BNI is a referral organization. It's like ice hockey. You don't have a lot of ice hockey in Australia, I know. But ice hockey without rules would be boxing on ice. You need to have rules. It's not far off with rules, is it? <laughs> that, that, that's right. You got to have the rules. And so without the rules, it becomes chaos. And so what you're talking about, uh, Nadia, is having accountability and rules as a way of accomplishing what you want to accomplish in business. And I found out early in BNI's history that you have to have some accountability and rules in order to be successful. It took me a while to understand your philosophy. And then I do, done a parallel. So what you have spoken about is dog eats dog or survival of the fittest or Adam's theory. Uh, your economic theory based on more like on John Nash's game theory. It's where people through collaboration, cooperation, allow each other to achieve goals faster. And it has been... Wait, 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 wait. Hang on, Nadia. I, I want you to finish. But let me just say... You're one of the first people I've talked to that made the connection to John Nash's theory about collaboration. So I'm impressed. You're good. I Very few good. people have made that, that connection. And you know, you can use in your tutorial the episode from Beautiful Mind movie. Right. When he's standing there, it's in a bus scene, and they're all going for the blonde. I don't know whether it's, you remember or not. I remember. John Nash has just decided to create, this is when the theory has been created. If each one of us help each other to get brunette, each one of us will get laid. That's basically <laughs> the theory. But if every single one of us will go for blonde, each one of us will block each other. Yeah. And this is where the strength of this theory. So in my practice, in working with parents and everything, I apply this collaboration. Terence has great words. He calls it leveraging of strengths of each other. And I would like to hear about can, can, can I just say for the record that I might not talk about it in terms of getting lucky or not, but I love... Don't be boring. <laughs> be, be open. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm a business guy. I probably shouldn't. I have to you be know how much business people make sex? But I, love the way, I love the way you're looking at it. <laughs> Yeah. It, it, <laughs> Am I too much for you? No, no, no. It definitely works. That The whole concept definitely works. So I'm interested in kind of how you initially came up with the concept of BNI, you know, where yeah. it came from and the purpose for you. Obviously, purpose is a big driver creating anything as big as BNI has become. So where did that come from for you? Well, I mean, I started BNI because I was looking for referrals from my consulting practice and I put together people who I trusted and they trusted me and I hoped they would refer me. I was willing to refer them. I, I mean, I'd like to tell you I had this vision 
of an international organization. But uh, the truth is, I just wanted some referrals. And, and I put these people together to do that. What I discovered was that most businesses were desperate for referrals. And very quickly, we opened up a lot of chapters of BNI. And within the first year, I realized that I had struck a chord in the business community. The business people wanted referrals and they didn't know how to network. And so what I tried to do with BNI was teach people how to network in a very structured environment that had accountability and rules like Nadia mentioned so that we could build our business through referrals. And like I said, we now have over 8,500 groups worldwide. It's gone beyond my wildest imagination in that first year, but probably about a year into it, I realized this could be much bigger than I thought. You said there, it wasn't this massive vision to begin with. And I think no. that as a, someone starting up in a business or an entrepreneur who's, who's trying to get somewhere, they kind of almost think the vision has to be huge to, to be able to achieve anything. And I love the fact that you've just kind of, it sounds like you've gone one step at a time and just created this thing. As you say, it's, it's grown to be a lot bigger than you, probably a lot bigger than anybody. And it, it's just uh, grown from there. So can I just say that I think that the big vision is a good idea, but you don't have to have the big, 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 big vision to start with. I had a vision that was pretty small at the beginning. It was, you know, I needed to get referrals and I wanted to help my friends get referrals. But then when that worked so well, I realized, well, wait a minute, that could be bigger. That could be bigger. And about a year into it, I thought, oh my goodness, this could be really, really, really be big. And then I realized it could be huge. And that's important for the average person because you don't have to just find the next great idea that will change the world. You can just find a simple idea that changes your community. And from that, you can change the world. And I would say solves a problem. Yeah. Always got to solve a problem. If it doesn't solve a problem, people won't be propelled to go to it. Certainly in BNI, they're propelled to go to it because they're looking for business. Mm. First and foremost, you solved a problem for you. And yep. then you realized that lots of other people around you needed exactly the same solution. That's where replication yeah. started because it's just universal law of solving the problem. So it's a bunch of desperados for referrals gone and start spreading <laughs> everywhere around the world. But it's actually very effective without any further comments. I want to ask about you are a chef, you've got a kitchen, you cooked the recipe for this successful enterprise you created worldwide. I just want to know, how does it work from financial point of view? I'm an accountant myself. I want to know how the referrals come, people join in. How does BNI makes money as an organization? Not us as the participants in a level of where it's designed, whom it's designed for, but as you guys, organizers, how yeah. does it work as a business model? So when I started BNI and I realized that we were going to have many, many groups, one of the considerations that I had was, do we take a percentage? So if you make $1,000, do we get $100? Do we get a percentage? Or do we just take a flat fee to put together the program? And I really felt that I didn't want to do a percentage thing because it would take more money from members if it were a if B and I really worked, it would take more money from members and it'd be harder to manage. And so we just had a flat fee. And so to participate in B and I, there's a membership fee. 
And it, it varies a little bit from country to country, but it, you know, it's in the hundreds of dollars. And that's uh, for one year. And that's everything. And we take no commission, no royalties, no anything. So whatever money you make as a business person is 100% all yours. And, and I'm happy that we, mind you, I would have made a lot more money if we'd have taken a percentage. Because last year we passed 9.1 million referrals. We generated 13.1 billion US dollars worth of business for our members around the world. So if we would have just taken 10%, we'd have $1 billion in revenues, and we don't. But honestly, I'm glad we didn't do a percentage. I'm glad we did a flat membership fee so that everything a member makes is theirs. You have to say it now because you can't change it. Yeah, I can't change it now, no. No, you can't. It is successful and it's very encouraging because you do pay your flat fee and it's up to you decide how much this fee will return you back. That's yeah. best part I, about it. I'm interested to, so we're talking about the way you've structured B&I and all that type of thing, but I'm kind of interested in the obstacles that you struck along the way. Mm. What were some of the biggest obstacles that you found to creating B&I along the way? Well, they varied over time. The first obstacle was getting everyone to row in the same direction with the same idea and the same mission and vision, uh, following the same process. So getting everybody on board for the same thing was the first obstacle. And that meant we had to write everything down. We had to create systems and processes. And there's a great book that I highly recommend. I've recommended it for 30 years. And it's The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. I read The E-Myth 30 years ago and really maybe 30 one or 32 years ago, and really based a lot of what I did with BNI based on the concepts of the EMIT. And I am so honored to say that over time, uh, Michael has become a friend of mine. And I know Michael well, and, you know, go read his book. If you want to scale your business into a big organization, read the EMIT. That's what I did. And it talks really about writing everything down. And he even says in there, Write everything down as though you're going to franchise your business, even if you have no plans on franchising your business. And I had no plans on franchising BNI. But after I had done it, it was so obvious, I ended up franchising BNI. BNI is a franchise organization now. And a lot of it's because of Michael Gerber. So that's a book I highly recommend to your listeners. Yes, and obviously. It stands for the entrepreneurial myth, in case you haven't read it. I have read this book and I read his other way. He's specifically targeting certain professions, a myth for dentists, a myth for accountants. It was actually, it's one of the best books I have read it to begin with. I think he's coming out with a book on the e-myth for accountants, another one in a couple of months. So look for that. I've been invited to the rollout of it next month. Yeah. You said you're a good friend of his. He's a good friend. I love Michael. If you look at my blog, you'll see there's several uh, video blogs. How, with how Michael close you are? Would you be able to ask him to come to our podcast? Yes. That's wonderful. Then you are very close. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he'd probably be willing to do it. Oh my goodness. How can I get it as well? We would love to. You email me and I'll make the introduction. Oh my goodness. I just this day and... Networking Christmas at its best. At same, I had one <laughs> and he's going to put us this one. I know Nadia, so I know exactly where she was going with that. Oh, that, that that's great. And you <laughs> tell Michael what I said about him. I <laughs> yeah. love Michael Gerber and I am 
to a very large part, the success of my company is because of him and his ideas. I think that his ideas have affected a uh, lot of people around the world book. in a very positive way, for it's sure. It's his yeah. book in yeah. English I was reading in regards to business development. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about the obstacle that you spoke about. I would call it alignment, you know, getting everybody aligned in the same direction. As you said, it's a culture. You're trying to create a culture and it's not a cult where you can just go in and say, you will do what I, I wish, right? but it's not. <laughs> It'd be nice if it was that easy. How did you find a solution? Because there are lots of people, you know, whether it be people that they work with, whether it be a team, whether it be their, their clients, their customers, there'd be lots of people who seek a solution to alignment. And you've managed to align, I think, is it 200,000 members now? Something like that? 240,376 as of yesterday, I get a daily report on how many members we have. That's crazy. So what was your solution to that? Well, so most of your listeners or viewers are small business people, right? Yes. yes. So Correct. The first thing I would say to them is you're never too small and probably never too big to start, but particularly never too small. So even if you're a small business, you need to start thinking about this. And what people start talking about is how do you create culture? At the end of the process, let me give you the beginning of the process. I believe that it's about traditions. Traditions create core values. Core values create culture. That's the process. It goes from traditions to core values to culture. So what the first thing you want to do as any business is you want to look at what are the healthy traditions of my business that are making me successful? What pieces of my business are working? Those are the traditions. Can you exemplify what tradition is? As Yeah, so there's a great book. I'll recommend another book. This one is called Inside the Magic Kingdom. Inside the Magic Kingdom. It's a great book and it talks about the value of traditions. And traditions are the things that a company does or an organization does that makes them successful. For example, in BNI, Nadia, you mentioned accountability. That's one of our traditions. If there's not accountability, it's a coffee clatch. It's a social group. So you have to have accountability. Lifelong learning, that's another one. Mm. Giver's gain, you, which you also mentioned. The idea of giving business to people, that's our principal core value. Other core values include recognition, relationships. It's all about relationships. These are the core values. All of these things came about by following our traditions. And we looked at our traditions and we said, what are we doing that's working? And from those traditions, we then created our core values. So if you're in business and you don't know what your core values are, look at your traditions. The healthy traditions are what's creating your core values. Your core values create your culture. Now, what you as a business person need to do is sit back and think about something above that, and that is your vision and mission. So your vision and mission comes from you as the business owner, but the traditions, the core values, and the culture come from that process of the, of the traditions. 
So your, your, your vision is the big statement. Where do you want to be? It's a statement where you may never actually achieve it, but that's your long-term goal. And BNI, our vision statement is changing the way the world does business. Wow, that's big. Mm. We may never get there, but, but it's something we can always work for. Our mission is to help people increase each other's business through a structured, positive, supportive referral marketing program. So that's a very specific tactic on how we're going to achieve that vision. So your vision, your mission, your traditions, create your culture, which create your core values, all of that creates your culture. So you've got a culture lesson in two minutes or less. I hope that helps. It does help. It emphasizes this without tradition and without these rituals. That's what gave me a sense of being in a cult. But yeah. later on, it's, I grew accustomed to it and it started gaining some meaning behind these words because yeah. I started living it. That's exactly the point in this group. It's very democratic. Yeah. There is nobody too small or too big for me to help them. I look exactly. at them as a people, if I don't get an instant gain from them or they're not coming as my clients, it's not a loss for me. I don't right. count as, as nothing has happened. I just know that here, there, I was in a position of <clears throat> very privileged position to help people. I was in position to connect to someone so close. And that's why one-on-one -on -one with BNIs work really well for me because I make time that's what happens right. to you and I. Terence and I met together, and initially it wasn't much connection there happening. I just looked at him, oh, now the business coach. That is a very funny story. I actually <laughs> don't like business coaches at all. They just got <laughs> such a dodgy reputation, and I said, oh, another this eric guy. So he tried to contact me and tried to get on one-on-one, -on -one, and I was finding every single excuse under the sun why I couldn't until we did get together, and we start talking, but... What I do, I honor the one-on-one -on -one as I allocate very special time for it. And I think if I am spending time, I have to go very deep and understand. My purpose after one-on-one -on -one, to know these people, person enough to make my conclusion whether I want to work with him or not and whether I like him as a person or not. That's my personal <clears throat> attitude to one-on-one. -on -one. And that's what happened. We did talk. It was a very funny story because Nadia basically didn't want to talk to me. We ended up doing a one-to-one -one and one -to -one, yeah. we had, you know, I kind of walked in there thinking this will be over in half an hour because she'll kick me out. And so two hours later, we knew a lot about each other. We had a lot in common and it was very unexpected to connect that well right. and that quickly. And Terence's last phrase was when he was leaving the boardroom, I never talk so deep on the first time I met person. <laughs> I never waste my time. If I do allocate it, I will go really for core. Well, the one-to-ones are very important in building relationships with the people yeah. in B&I or outside, yeah. And this podcast result this meaningful one-to-one? One-to-one, yeah. 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 So I just want to go back to something that you said, and I kind of, the way that I phrase it is more of what works. You know, you talk about traditions, and I love coming back to that. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of you know business being about doing more of the stuff that actually works because yeah. and b and i actually works right so if you're involved with a network like b and i that actually works you need to do more of it so i've found that you know i love doing digital marketing and things like that i do a lot more networking now as a result of b and i so i just kind of 
Well, let me, let me touch upon something there. And because what you're talking about is one of the biggest mistakes that most businesses make. If you want to be successful in business today, whether you're in BNI or not, you want to be successful, you have to do six things a thousand times, not a thousand things six times. And there are so many businesses that are constantly chasing these bright, shiny objects. I used to have a bright, shiny object here. Oh, yeah, here we go. Here it is. There, there's so many businesses that are out there chasing these bright, shiny objects. Ooh, let's, try, one of those. <laughs> let's try this idea. And they go and do something new, and it doesn't work, and they don't understand why they're not successful. You want to be successful in business? You're listening to this? Do six things a thousand times. Not a thousand <laughs> things. Now, the question is, what six things? First of all, it doesn't have to be six. It could be five. It could be seven. It's a handful of things. What things? Well, you do the things that interviews like this tell you to do. You go to mentors. You go to people who you trust in person or virtual mentors. This program is like a virtual mentor. And so if you trust what Terrence and Nadia are recommending to you, then you listen to the things that they're talking about and you do a handful of these things and you do them over and over and over again rather than bouncing around trying out a whole bunch of different ideas. I cut you off, Nadia. What were you going to say? I forgot. I suffer from dementia. <laughs> Basically, what I did want to say is if you were now coach a small business, you grab the small business and they going through, first of all, they unconsciously incompetent, obviously, when they enter the business. Right. They join BNI quite often. It's most common case scenarios. They're not established businesses. There's somebody who is trying to find their feet. What would be six things you would tell them to do, which would guarantee their success? I couldn't tell you that because every business is different. And, and by the way, not every business that joins BNI is new. We have many businesses that have been around for a long time, but they're all different. It would be like you going to a medical doctor and saying, tell me the most important things I need to do. Okay. The doctor would say, well, wait a minute, I've done any blood tests. I haven't had you do anything. I don't know anything about you. So it really depends on the person and where they're at as to what things I would tell them. But there are certain things in BNI that I would recommend, and you've talked about one of them, and that's the one-to-ones. You want to build your business quickly in BNI, do one-to-ones with people so you know how to refer them. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And it just comes back to life 101, actually, not just business 101, build relationships. Yeah. We talk about B2B, we talk about B2C, and we don't talk about H2H, human-to-human relationships. It'll generate referral business. It will generate so many benefits potentially down the track that you can't even probably begin to fathom in the beginning. You're right. One of the books I wrote has a weird title, but it's a fun book. It's called Business, Networking, and Sex, Not What You Think. Um, What kind of book is title? Is that that you have to explain? (laughs) Nadia, I knew you would ask. (laughs) <laughs> I just want to mention that we've said sex on this, well, now more times, but we've mentioned it twice already. Because sex <laughs> sells. Sex sells. But sex. This is a book about the difference between men and women. So it's, it's, sex, it's sex in terms of gender. Yes. So it was a controversial title, but not a controversial book. You know, the difference between men and women and how they network. And what we discovered was that 
By the way, we surveyed 12,000 people for this. How many so, men, how many women? It was, it was 50-50. It was like 51% men, 49% women. Typical. It was, it was, yeah, it was almost exactly 50-50. And we found that women, on average, generated more business through referrals than men. And they actually did it in less time. And one of the things that we found is that women were more likely to be relational in their networking than men, and men tended to be more transactional in their networking than women. That is, men were like going right for the sale. Hi, my name's Ivan, let's do business. Now, not every man, not every woman, but when you have 12,000 people, you get trends, and we got the trends. And so we found that women were more relational than men. Now, here's the interesting point. We took gender out of it. And we just looked at relational versus transactional, which is kind of, Terrence, what you were saying, is we looked at relational versus transactional, and we found that men and women who were relational in the way they networked, that is, they wanted to focus on building a relationship, did better than men and women who were transactional, that is, let's just do business. And that was a really powerful thing to learn, and we have hard data to prove it, it's in the book, Business, Networking, and Sex, Not What You Think. How do you know what I think? <laughs> <laughs> Read it, Nadia. You'll laugh so hard. So I wrote it with two other people. I have to know. I have no choice but to read it. <laughs> you got to check it out. So I was the survey says guy. I was talking about the data. And Frank DeRaffley, my co-author, he was the he says. Have you ever heard he says, she says? Mm -hmm. So he was the he says. And he talked about all the data from the male perspective. And Hazel Walker talked about all the data from the female perspective. I'm telling you, it's probably the funniest business book you'll ever read. Well, yeah, women are teased with it because generally speaking, women are generally speaking. We, that's how you build relationship, through talking, not through just open your wallet and let's do business. Um, I like that phrase. I'm going to borrow it. That's good. That's right. It's not mine even. Yeah. <laughs> I picked it up from some joke book. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. Anyway, you actually hitting the really, really interesting point for me. This relationship is transactional. When I migrated from Russia to Australia, I did notice Australians were more transactional than Russians. In Russia, you have to have connections. You have to be positioning yourself with right people first and this relationship would build. You will go to sauna together. You will attend concerts. You will do a lot of things, so extracurricular activity before people even consider doing business with you. And of course, you have to drink together. You have drink till you <laughs> land. With All I have is water now. I'm sorry. In a salad. <laughs> That's kind of a drinking session you have to have. And this is what binds people together. And then they only then they go into business. When I came to Australia, it's become very evident to me, very different culture. But then they said, you know, you think we are transactional? You should say Americans. Americans are completely transactional. You, Ivan, you have chapters across globe. Do you see this difference, transactional relationship in regards to different cultures? Which cultures do you think more relationship-based? So, look, there are, every country is a different culture. Here's the thing. I think that we as human beings have more in common than we think, that there, we have more similarities than dissimilarities. And I would argue that there is a culture of entrepreneurism. 
And that culture of entrepreneurism transcends many cultural differences that we have as humans. That is, there is no culture, there's no entrepreneurial nation in the world that I have gone to that didn't believe in trust Mm. as a key to doing business. Every entrepreneurial nation I've been in, trust was critical. And so you have to build trust first. And when you build trust, then you do referrals. And so every nation that we've gone into, and we're in 73 countries in BNI, it's all about building trust first. And then you, through that trust, build the relationship. And through that, you give referrals. And so I think there's a culture of entrepreneurism that transcends cultural differences worldwide. So what do you say to somebody who goes to a networking event of any kind, specifically to create transactions, specifically to go business? Love that. So in the same book, Business Networking and Sex, not what you think, we talk about this, we call it premature solicitation. Oh God, I said ejaculation. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh my God, you're not supposed to say that. <laughs> well, like, you, just, you just framed me to do it. You just, it was, door open for that. I was, right. you're very Oh, stupid. Nadia, I love Thanks, you. Nadia. Great. Nobody has ever, ever, in all the interviews I've ever done, nobody has ever said, <laughs> nobody has ever said that. All Should right. I apologize? So I think I've lost where no, we were. No, 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 that's, that's good. <laughs> So the idea with but the principle is the same. Is you don't do it before that point, the partner is ready. It leads you to that point where you think about it, but you don't actually say it. <laughs> but, but you said it. And the point that I'm trying to make without being X-rated yep. is that people use networking as a face-to-face cold calling opportunity. Hi, my name's Ivan. Let's do business. And they go straight to doing business instead of straight to building a relationship. And that's the premature solicitation. They're asking to do business before there's any relationship. And I've met people and they've said to me, hi, my name is so-and-so, you know, let's, you know, could you refer me to sell it to this person? I'm like, I'm sorry, my name's Ivan. What was your name? I don't even know you. You want me to refer you? I know. And so, yeah, that direct sales concept doesn't work. And Nadia, I love you. You're the first person in all these years that... <laughs> Has actually said it. <laughs> it has to be Russian. That's the, yeah. <laughs> um, this type of networking, what you just have described, i never been on speed dating myself, but I've seen it in the movies. And my thing was always, it's probably the worst version of human interaction ever. And yeah. people try to find relationships. They're longing for something. And they're trying to yeah. find in this type of transactional world. And when I went to a couple of local networks, they're not BNI. This is what really, really turned me off. I was standing there and I'm feeling like I'm having this nightmare of speed dating and people exchanging straight away, giving me cards. I have to give them this. And they even have one minute exchanging information around and cards and everything. I had very bad flavor in my mouth from this exercise. And yeah. that's why I decided to drop those networks where I felt like it and just focus on one. So I focus on BNI. And I have a couple of other social, little bit more relaxed format yeah. I am attending. Exactly for that reason. Is mm. Yeah, I, that's a great way of putting it, Nadia. I appreciate it. And you're right. I agree. And that's basically what I actually... Ivan, you surprised me because I have not uh, pictured you this way. I listened 
few podcasts with you. I read books with you. Hey, that's a good book. Yes, I know. And this one, we just looked uh-huh. at it. And obviously, basically, catches something new you're talking about. I'm trying to pay attention to you. And you come across as very robust, but a little bit more serious than what I having right now on podcast, I didn't expect to have such a human-to-human interaction with you. So I kind of enjoying talking to you. And you are very, very human. So I think the secret behind your success is this ability to relax around other human beings and just talk heart-to-heart. And that's what one of you probably strengths. Can other people learn this skill? Well, there was a lot there. Uh, first, let me say thank you. I really appreciate you saying what you said. Look, I think, you know, sometimes it's very easy with success to have it all go to your head. I think a humble person doesn't think less of themselves. They just think of themselves less. And so it's really just about building relationships with people and not taking yourself too terribly serious. Can other people do this? Yeah, absolutely. Anybody can do this. I think what happens is that people just take themselves too serious and they take their success too seriously. Just before we started here, I had a, somebody who I met at a conference. He was in town. I invited him over and we were talking about the fact that I must have done 30 or 40 videos, short videos with people at this conference. He was like, that was so generous of you. I said to him, this is just an hour ago. I said to him, Yeah, not really. Not so much. I'm successful because these people follow what I talk about. I could be digging ditches. <laughs> you know, I could, I, I could be putting up brick walls. I get to talk for a living. How cool is that? It's very easy. This is easy work. It took hard work to get here, but this is the easy part. And I think anybody that achieves success has... I believe an obligation to give back to people and share what's worked for them. Oh, you're welcome. When you back in the days when you just started this entrepreneurial path, what would you do differently with all knowledge you have gained now? What was the first mistake you think you acknowledged? Obviously you own your mistake and you're grateful for it, but if you were to start again. I've been asked that question a number of times. There's a great television show in the United States. I don't know if you have it there in, in Australia. It's called Mythbusters. There's this fantastic expression that one of them uses. He says, I reject your reality and I substitute my own. So I'm going to say that to your question, Nadia. I reject that reality. And here's why. Because none of us can do things over, ever. Are there things I did wrong along the way? Oh my goodness, there's so many things I did wrong. I couldn't even count. We don't have enough time. I did a lot of things wrong. Here's the message I would give, particularly to new businesses, is get as much information as you can about whatever problem you have and make the best decision you can make based on the information you have and your values. What I have found is that when people get off track with their values, when they have personal values that say, I should do this, but eh, this is a great business opportunity, I'm going to do this. That's when things really go wrong. So live your values and make the best decisions you can make. I made so many bonehead stupid decisions in my career, I couldn't count them, but I rarely crossed my values. 
I can't think of a time that I crossed my values. And so learn from those stupid mistakes you make and don't make it again the next time. And that's what I would tell anyone who says, you know, what bad mistakes would you do and what have you learned from it? I would say, you know, learn from whatever bad mistakes you make. Don't ever cross your values and don't look back because we all do stupid things. I had somebody say to me many, many years ago, he said, don't worry about doing something stupid in business. You will. Just fix it as soon as you can. You got to recognize it quickly and fix it quickly. And if you do that, you're doing the best you can. It's great advice that I got and I live by it. I hope that makes sense. And it kind of comes back to maybe the obstacle is the way. And actually mistakes can create a pathway to success oh, in yeah. a lot of ways. Oh, I just wrote an article on this. Oh. It's called What's in the Way Becomes the Way. Yeah. And I'll tell you where, it's a great article. I was talking to my wife about it and she said, you got to write this. And I did. I kept getting these report cards when I was in elementary school. You know, I was 9, 10, 11, 12 years old. These report cards would go to my mother and they'd say, Ivan is a good student, but he talks too much in class. I got this all the time. Ivan talks too much in class. All my teachers. Now, I, my mom was awesome. I love my mom. My mom passed away a few years ago, but she's an amazing mother. And she would sit down with me and she'd say, honey, you got don't talk so much. <laughs> Tone it down a little bit. But she never drummed that out of me. Never. And so she talked to me, but she didn't drum it out of me. Well, what was in my way has become my way. I speak for a living. I talk to small groups. I talk to middle-sized groups. I talk to big groups. I talk to gigantic groups. I talk on radio. I talk on webinars like this. I, I talk to everybody and I get paid stupid money. I get paid big money to talk. So what was in my way as a child that had been drummed out of me and I became so concerned about speaking I would have never achieved what I wanted to achieve. And many times in our lives, the things that are the roadblock in front of us become the direction that we go in. And I think that is such a great, important lesson. If you want to read, I did a blog on this, go to IvanMeisner.com and look up. I think the blog is, I talk too much in class. I think that's the title. <laughs> that's uh, great. That's something about me. I used to be kicked out of the class for poor discipline, but they had to get me back because I also was high achiever. So this Nadia, was... <laughs> I'm shocked about that. I'm totally shocked. <laughs> I would start laughing and I couldn't stop. It's my problem was I was kicked out. Yeah. So look, we've covered some really great stuff here. I've really been enjoying the conversation. I'm interested in what would be your best tips, let's say, for somebody who's about to go and walk into a, you know, into a networking meeting, probably a bunch of strangers, people they've never met. In your opinion, what's the best approach? So to me, the best thing is really to act like interviewer. Uh, to me, the best networker has two ears and one mouth and uses them both proportionally. What happens often is that people think that an extrovert is a great networker. And I'm here to tell you that extroverts are not necessarily great networkers. Why? Because 
they talk and talk and talk. And what's their favorite subject? Them. Me. <laughs> themselves. A great networker is like the two of you. You're interviewing me. You ask me questions and you let me just go on. You let me talk. Sometimes. That's what makes a great networker. And so I would argue that if you're going to a networking event for the first time, and especially if you're an introvert and you're nervous that you don't think you're good at networking, you're probably great at networking because introverts tend to be great listeners. So just ask questions. Now, if you're an extrovert, what you need to do is learn how to shut up <laughs> and ask questions and then listen and be genuinely interested in those answers and follow that direction. Now, is everyone you talk to going to be, I don't know, the Dalai Lama? No, but, but you know, you will be amazed at how many interesting people you meet as you talk and ask questions. And so that's what I would say is you go to networking events, keep an open mind, listen, and you'll have an opportunity to talk, prepare a little bit about what you're going to say, be able to talk about your business in a minute or less, 30 seconds or less, so that people can learn what you do as well. Mm -hmm. Could we add, be prepared to provide value? Yeah, always. As a matter of fact, it's, I do a presentation called Networking Up. Networking with people above your weight class, people who you think are more successful than you. And one of the most important things to do is to add value. Don't sell to them. I call it sales Tourette's. People just can't stop themselves. They just like try to sell. <laughs> and it's like, you know, buy this product or service. And then their favorite phrase is, it never hurts to ask, right? Wrong. It hurts to ask. If you ask for business before, there's a relationship. So what you want to do is add value. And you add value by finding out what the most important thing in that person's life is right then and see if there's anything you can do to at least incrementally add value to that issue that they've gotten. If you can do that, then you're beginning to build a relationship, which will then lead to building so your business. You're talking about waking up, which means that those people more successful than, let's say, I am. And yeah. I, I am, have to work out the way to add value to those already successful people. I still have to find the way to give rather than take. And yes. How do you do when it's more successful people? Okay, so I'll give you the, this is my best example ever for me personally. I've had an opportunity a couple of times to go to Necker Island and I spent a week with Richard Branson. Great. You know, he knows who I am. He's a good man. I really respect him a lot and he's very successful. I've been to his island twice. I've met him probably six or seven times. And one time I met him and I really wanted to do, I wanted to interview him on my blog. But I knew, I knew, I, I teach people, don't do this. Don't go to somebody and say, hey, Richard, would you be on my show, please? You know, when you're networking up, People are always asking. Ivan, I just done it. I just contact him through the LinkedIn and said, oh, could you please be on my podcast? I just done this mistake. Yeah, good luck with that. Uh, he won't respond. Baba? Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, but he probably won't because he's, he's really, really busy. But here's the thing. When you're always asking people to do something who are very successful, they're always being asked, particularly to buy something. Being on a show is not so bad. A lot of people will do that. But buying something or looking at your proposal, oh my goodness, do you know how many pitches I get? And I'm nowhere near as financially successful as Branson. He must get a 
constantly. And so the mistake we make is we try to sell to people who are very successful. So here's what I did with Branson. I wanted him to do a video for my blog. And so when I went to Necker Island the last time, which was a few years ago, I did an internet search to see what he was working on most. And one of the things he was working on was called the B team, the business team, where business will put back into the community. It's about people, planet, and profit in that order. And I love that concept. And so I was talking to him on the island and I said, hey, Richard, tell me about the B team. It sounds pretty exciting. Guys, he lit up. He just lit up. And he went on and on talking about the B team. Rather than say, hey, Richard, would you do an interview with me on it? I said, how can I help you get the message out about the B team? And he said, I don't know. You run a network. Can you get that out to people? I said, yeah, absolutely. I do a blog regularly. Would you like to do something with me on the blog? And he said, yeah, that'd be great. Let's do that. And guess what we did? Did a video blog, IvanMeisner.com. You just do a search on Richard Branson. You'll see the blog. It was windy. We had to do subtitles so you could read what we were talking about in some cases. But we did this blog. It was something I wanted to do, but I didn't want to go to him. I was networking up. I didn't want to say, hey, Richard, would you do this for me? Instead, I said, how can I help you? This helped him. And at the same time, it was something I wanted to do. It's a win-win. That's the way you network up. That is fantastic advice. It's, I just sitting there absolutely mesmerized them. I'm yeah. sitting and doing, thinking that's why Ivan's so successful. Because yeah. he thinks like that. And because I screwed up so much along the way, I figured it out. Well, so have I. One of my favorite sayings is value creates value. Yeah. And yeah, very true. That's inspiring. That's a great story. I love so it. I, I think, I, I mean, look, shocked. just <laughs> really mindful of, you know, the fact Ivan's spent some really good quality time with us, shared some great information with us. And Ivan, we'd really love to thank you for spending the time and actually just agreeing to be on the podcast with us. So thanks a lot. Is there anything else that you would like to share to begin with? And actually, I'll let you do that quickly first. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And first of all, thank you for inviting me. You guys are a blast. A lot of fun. I I don't have a lot of fun on all my interviews. I had a lot of fun on this one. You guys were fantastic. You know, if, if you're interested in my information, uh, IvanMeisner.com is my website. And of course, BNI.com if you're interested in going to get information about BNI. If I were to leave you with one last message, it would be this, that networking is more about farming than it is about hunting. That it's about cultivating relationships with other business professionals. It's not a get-rich-quick scheme. It's a way to build a solid foundation for a long-term successful business. That's what I teach in BNI, and that's why I think BNI today is the largest referral marketing organization in the world because we focus on building relationships. And Nadia, Terrence, thank you so much for having me on your show. Thanks, Thanks a lot, Ivan. Yeah, that was really fun. I didn't expect it at all from, from you. What a surprise. Well, I don't think anyone expected you either. What do you mean? <laughs> no, that was great. I will recover. It's okay. Don't no, no, we'll all recover. <laughs> Nadia's sick skin. She's all right too. Yeah, Ivan, really, like, thanks for doing the interview and everything. Really yeah. appreciate it. 
I'll get in contact again by email or whatever. Yeah, you have my email address, yeah? Yeah, yes. absolutely. Yeah. I have a very practical question. When we told our uh, BNI members that we are going to podcast with Ivan Meisner, obviously they gone, what? How? What are you doing? How did, did it them? happen? Uh, yes. I haven't told many people. I ruined your surprise. They basically asked me one funny thing. They said, can you ask him if you can put your podcast on his CU points? They asked me oh, to that, use that the podcast. CU points so they will it, listen and get this educational thing. Does it count as a CU? Yes. You tell them I said, yes, it counts as a CEO. (laughs) That's it. So you've done it. We have to record it. And it goes on front of our podcast. No, it does not. Yeah, absolutely. It's a CEO. This is definitely a CEO. Now, I think for every 20 minutes, you get one CEO. Yes. Check. So I think it would actually be three CEUs, but don't hold me to that. No, I won't hold you to that. (laughs) I believe, though, it would be three CEUs. And yeah, I'd count it. Yeah, we broke quite a few rules on this podcast, which BNI is very strict system and set up. It's first of all, we, Have we? yeah, I, I did. I certainly have broken a few rules. It's, well, the premature solicitation thing, maybe yeah. <laughs> that crossed the line. I got it. I've been doing this that material for eight years and nobody has actually said what it was what you said. meant to be. Nadia, you're hysterical. So I got to ask you guys, don't get mad at me. Are you guys like a couple? No, no, we're not no, actually. Okay. So no, we, we wouldn't get mad yeah. at us. Terran's got five kids with his beautiful <laughs> wife, May. And okay. I... How many kids do you have? Four. I've got four. Oh, yeah. oh my God. Okay. So you have like nine yeah. kids between you. I'm separated. We, but we met each other. How long ago? It was eight yep. months ago. Yep. Yeah. So not that long ago. <laughs> like Nadia didn't even want to talk to me at the time because she's like a business coach. Yeah. Keeping yeah. away. Uh, well, I met my wife in BNI. She was a president of a chapter. It was the best referral I ever got. Uh, <laughs> we've now been married 29 years, almost 30 years. That's a great story. That's a great story. But no, we are not a couple in this sense. We are coupled up for podcast purpose. You are professional partners. Yeah. Good. Good. I I think we bounce off each other quite well. uh, Yeah, yeah. You guys work together very well. Professionalism goes out of the door when I open my mouth. So I I better listen. (laughs) Okay. You're business partners. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. No, that's been fantastic. Ivan, we should let you go because... I'm sure you've got lots of, hopefully you've got another glass of wine to drink or something like that. I'm sure I do. I'm a member of an organization called the Transformational Leadership Council run by Jack Canfield, who is wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul. One of the members of TLC is going to be here probably in about 15 minutes. They're staying here at my house for the next three days. So I'm going to see him. But look, when this goes out, email me and I'll forward it to my social media guy and he'll put it on all of our social media. Okay. Thank you Fantastic. so much. Really appreciate it. It was my pleasure. And I am happy to do this anytime. I have a new book coming out in November. Oh, yeah. We, we schedule podcast. Will yeah. you do it again? Well, we should read your book first. Wow. So Wait, we'll, let me we'll, think. Let me think. Yeah. Uh, I'll do it. <laughs> the book is awesome. Okay. It's, I did a BNI version, but this is the public version. It's called Who's in Your Room? Who's in Your Room? Okay. Okay. What you is want to hear? book is about? Uh, are we? Okay, I'll, I'll give you two minute overview. Are you ready? Yeah. Yes. Imagine that you live your entire life in one room, and that one room has one door, and that one door is an enter 
only door so that everyone who comes into your life is there forever. You can never get them out. Now, this is a metaphor, but if it were true, would you be more selective about the people that you let into your life? Yes. Yeah. Everybody says yes. Yeah. So why aren't we? Mm. So what the book is about is about being more selective about who you let into your room or into your life and how you're more selective and how do you deal with the people who are in your room and your life. And oh, by the way, I would argue that it's not a metaphor, that it's real, because even if you get them out of your physical presence, they are always in your head. They may be out of your life, but they're in your head. And if they're in your head, they're in your room. Mm. And that's what the book is about. It's the first self-help, self-development book I've ever done. I think it'll be my best-selling book. And it's perfect for B&I because it's about who do you let in your chapter? It fits perfectly for B&I, but it is a general book. It'll be out in October or November. So if you reach out to me, Next month, we could set up something for October or November. The book will be out on Amazon by November for sure. Can I just say that really resonates with me. I've been doing that for a while and I actually, I guess I deliberately only seek positive relationships. So anything negative, I just push aside and I actually don't do my family. I'm in a room and the door is locked. You You can't get it out. You're okay. You're right about that. And, and so what we talk about in the book is you have to go, get good with your values. You have to know what your personal values are and you have to select people. And what we talk about is creating a doorman. It's a metaphorical doorman. It's your conscious and subconscious mind that says, no, you're not coming in. And no, you're staying out on the patio. You're not going to come into the room. And so we talk about how to create a doorman, how to be good with your values, and then how to deal with the people who you let into your room when you didn't know any better. Mm. It's a really good book. I really love it. And it'll be out this year. Yeah. Would you like us to precede that? Would you like us to mention it? How can we help you? Very good question. Thank you. I'd love to do an interview in November. Okay. All right. Cool. So it's wonderful. Right. The book will be out by November. Australian yeah. read a lot. So it's probably a good mm. podcast. Book. Perfect. Perfect. And I'm pretty sure it'll be available in Australia because it's being printed in Thailand and the United States. So it's going to be printed on Amazon. It will be on Amazon for sure. Are you ever in Australia? Do you ever come to Australia? Yeah, yeah. I've been there four or five times. When are you going to come next? I have no idea. It's not on my schedule at this time. I'm booked two years out. Australia is not on my schedule. I am going to be in Thailand in November. Mm. Mm. Great. Come to Thailand. Come to our big international convention. Oh, is that if you come to our big international convention, you can interview people from all over the world. We'll have 2,000 people there from BNI. Okay. That's this November. This November. Okay. If you want information, oh my goodness, I'm looking at, I got eight or 10 deer and two wild turkey right here. Can I see? Not easily. <laughs> Let me see. Me, I don't know if you can see. I don't know if it goes far enough. Yeah, you can see you, some yeah. of that. Yeah, you can yes, see. Yes, it is something. See, if it would be Australia, oh, wow. it would be kangaroos yes. there. Yes, we can uh, see Deer that. and turkey. Oh, wow. In uh, Australia, we have hot like kangaroos. a pretty serious meal going on there. <laughs> yes, well, and yesterday in that exact same place, I had a coral snake. Wow. Okay. What coral snake? Is it? Like Highly a- poisonous. Ah. 
Go to my Facebook page and you'll see I caught it and released it. So if you go to ivanmeisner.bnifounder on Facebook, you'll see I caught the coral snake. They're really, really poisonous. Somebody even wrote on my page, if I catch a couple more venomous snakes, I'll be an honorary Australian. <laughs> We've got plenty of them here. That's for sure. Plenty of them there. Yeah. All right, listen, it was good talking to you guys. I'm happy to do it anytime. You reach out to Dana, my assistant, and she'll set up another interview. I'd love to do it in November. Yeah, fantastic. That sounds like a great idea. Thanks, Ivan. Great. Take care. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Unfair Advantage Project. For more curated resources, visit us at unfairadvantageproject.com.